know, we're having a business meeting after church. This could be a gavel. I think it'll leave a bigger mark than we want it to, though. It's, uh, again, this is one of my favorite tools. And when there comes to a moment where I get to use my rubber mallet, that's fun. Because you can just smack it and smack it and smack it, and it, it doesn't leave much of a mark, but it moves stuff. And even this week as I was working on those guards, I was telling about Nathan about I went to uh, a, uh, a large lumberyard store that shall be not named on the south side of town and um, purchased. I wouldn't want to endorse anybody, but we do have employees of that place in our church. Um, and bought a saw, a, a skill saw. Uh, not actually a skill saw, not that brand. I bought the cheapest one I could find. But, man, I got me a new tool, Right? All you guys in here know what that's like, all right? You get a new tool, I got to use it. And I got to use it that day. I went and built this box, and um, it's, it's not a beautiful piece of architectural work. Um, sorry, Richard, I didn't want to disappoint you there, but um, it'll hold dirt. That, that's what we're counting on, right? And that, that dirt is going to grow some things, and we're probably going to eat some of those things. And, and you know, we, we get excited about seeing some things done. And I, I don't know about you, but there's not a, a moment in my life that is much more fulfilling than when I have accomplished something, right? Uh, what, whether that's a moment where you see come to the, these places of, of great fruition, whether it's a graduation, like, I, you know, I've been through three graduations. I've been through high school graduation. I went through college graduation. I went through seminary graduation. And this past year, I finished my little community college certificate. And they said, do you want to be a part of graduation? And I said, absolutely not, because I've been in many of those, and that's enough. But those moments that come as a culmination that you have accomplished something, Right? And uh, we can see that in a big way, we can see that in a little way, and, and for those of you who have seen your children become adults, you've seen them meet some of those milestones, and the accomplishment there is that they were not ended before that time happened sometimes. Um, and I know my parents probably had that feeling when I graduated from high school, hallelujah, he made it, and we did too. And uh, if we're honest, we hit those moments along the way, and we, we see those accomplishments, and we should have goals, and we should want to do things, and, and honestly, when it comes to our faith, we should want to do things for the Lord. We should want to serve Him, and that song I sang earlier, we will work till Jesus comes, and we see that our tools get beat up, and sometimes we have to replace them, and we see that there, there's a beginning time and an end time, and we see that fulfillment come. And now we come to a place where we see the fulfillment of history, where God brings it to fruition, to come. And I and as, as we were singing just now, before we came up to, before I came up here and uh, it made me think of uh, Psalm 19, which isn't actually our text, but I'm going to kind of intro with that because I think it fits where we're going. It says, the, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, there are no words, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them He has sent a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. 
and there's nothing hidden from its heat. I could keep going. Psalm 19 is pretty cool. It's not terribly long, but I'm going to stop there. We are here to bring glory to the Lord. All of creation is here for a reason and for a purpose. We are not some accidental blip in the primordial ooze that it happened. You have been created for a purpose. You have been created to bring glory to the maker of heaven and earth. And as we look at Mark chapter 13 today, there's some scary stuff in there. But let's remember why creation exists in the midst of all of it. It is this, the heavens declare the glory of God. And we need to set our eyes up, as I've entitled this message today, not focused on the things that we see around us. God has called us to fulfill His mission. That is, to make disciples, to preach the gospel to all nations. And we'll come back to that today, as I shared it with the kids already today. That's a big part of Mark chapter 13. It's the fulfillment of his day and his time. Let's go there. Mark, Mark 13. Let's stand as we read a pretty challenging passage of Scripture. Verse 14, but when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house, nor take anything out, to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, Pray that it may not happen in winter, for in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and will never be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And if anyone, then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. False Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders and to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. Lord, teach us your word. And seeing the promise of your fulfillment, we see a, a great and mighty and terrible day. But help us to trust you. That we might be counted among those who persevere to the end. Your elect your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Any questions? I read a lot in preparing for this, and um, it's one of those things where you learn a lot, and at the same time, you feel like you haven't learned anything. Because as many people as there are in this room, and as many people have the, as there have been who have had faith in Jesus Christ in the history of the church, there are interpretations of this passage. Chances are, you and I do not agree 100% on everything. But let me remind you what I talked about last week. We need to make the main things the plain things. And the plain things are the main things. We need to set our heart and our focus on, on things. And, and, you know, it, it's interesting when you come to a place like this because, honestly, it's, this isn't my wheelhouse. 
eschatology, um, here's what I know. Jesus went to heaven, and he's coming back, and he's got it figured out. Okay? He knows what's going to happen. But it says even in, in that day, you know, in, 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 in our parallel passages, which conveniently our Sunday school lesson, I told, told my, my youth crew this morning, I, I'm thankful for today because basically I'm, I'm doing the same thing twice. Now, whether I get better the second time, we're going to find out. But Matthew chapter 24, which some of you studied in Sunday school this morning, we know we did, and uh, in Mark chapter 13, cover the same turf. It's the same, the same passage from a different perspective. And uh, we see a lot of these things pop up. Luke chapter 19 is, the, I believe, the next spot. No, chapter 21 is the next spot where we see those things happen. But here's the deal. God knows how it's all going to work out together. And I uh, basically, in, in reading verse 14, heard it, read it described in many different ways. But I'm going to sum it up in this way. Verse 14 of chapter 13, Gospel of Mark, is an eschatological scorpion pit. What does that mean? Eschatology is the study of the end times. The eschaton means the end. And when we come to this, we, we go, what is going on here? Well, we need to look a little bit of some things that have happened in history that already bring a place of fulfillment for what we read here. When we see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, well, what is happening here? Well, that is a reference actually back into the prophecy of Daniel. Three different times we see that terminology, the abomination of desolation that causes desolation, those kinds of things. Daniel chapter 9, Daniel chapter 11, Daniel chapter 12, he brings mention of this time of fulfillment. And if we look at history, actually, we see a couple of different times where this place, this prophecy was believed to have been fulfilled. One of them was a couple of centuries before Christ, during what would be called the intertestamental age. We have testimony of it in the Maccabees and books like that. You want to chase that rabbit? We'll go over there some other time. But that uh, one of the, the, uh, and uh, I think it's Antiochus, Epiphanes, brought a de- uh, an abomination on the temple in Jerusalem, a place of worship, it, worshiping Zeus in the place of the Lord. That's one of those fulfillments that we talk about. Also, we see that's before Christ. After Christ, we actually see in the destruction of Jerusalem that one of the Caesars, and I didn't write it down, I'm blanking on it right now, but one of the Caesars tried to do the same thing, the Roman Caesars, in the place on, on the temple. And the fact is, is that people have been bringing abomination upon the place of worship in Jerusalem for centuries. It's frankly that way right now. And do we know what that fulfillment will actually look like? And I think if we're honest, some of us think we have the answer, but we're honest, we're not sure. But we know here in this interpretation that it's a person. That someone is going to defame the Lord in the place of his worship. And how is that going to be fulfilled? Well, as I started out with there, we've got as many ideas on that as we have people in the room. What's that going to look like? I don't know. What I do know is it's going to happen. And I do know that in history, it has happened in some ways. How will it be fulfilled? Well, 
we see a warning here in verse 15. It says, to be prepared. One of my favorite passages, I shared it in the message, in, in the email I sent out this morning, First um, Peter chapter 3, I didn't put it up on the screen, but I'll read it to you, and you got a Bible, you can open it, you're big kids. First Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 16, now, where is there harm to you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Wait a second, over and over and over, he tells us, don't be troubled by these things. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your, your, your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. In other words, prove who you say you are. Live out your faith in Jesus Christ in those times when you're accused of things that are untrue. And that day will come. And suffering will take place. And not only that, that day has come in history. For the church has suffered for their faith in Jesus Christ. But he tells us to always be ready for the hope that is within us have a defense prepared for what we believe about Jesus and what he's going to do. Because here, I don't know that you know this in this world today, if you've paid attention at all, they're trying to tell us that we're an accident. But you have been created fearfully and wonderfully for a purpose that is to glorify the Lord. That is to, as he's called us to, to go and make disciples and lead people to faith in Jesus Christ. That is our ultimate purpose as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, is to bring glory to Him through the making of disciples. We're to be ready when that day comes. And we need to get our eyes off our own circumstances. The reason Jesus puts this here is not to drive us into a place of fear so that we hide. It's so that we're ready when it comes. That we're prepared for the moment where we have to, to proclaim our faith in Jesus Christ. That's why we need to be in this word, and I'll say it again, every single day. That we know what the word of God says, and he's guiding us and leading us to a point where we understand more and more about it. And, and those questions where we see that we are vessels of God's handiwork, you know, just like this is a vessel of work, this is a tool. God will wear us out for His name's sake, for His glory. And the fact is, is that we're not designed to be in this flesh as we are permanently. Praise the Lord. Because I don't know about you, I get some different aches and, aches and pains all the time that, you know, they, they kind of get more frequent. <laughs> and and, and you, you every once in a while have one of these awesome tools and, and you accidentally smack one of your body parts with it and it reminds you that you have that part for a while. And, and, and both my kids in playing sports this week have, have gotten marks on them from doing that. And, and you, you see all of these things. Our, our bodies are going are gonna to go through hardship and our trials. And our lives here are going to face tribulation. But why do we face that tribulation? You know, I asked you that question last week. We can suffer justly. We can suffer at, at the mistakes we have made for our own, uh, on our own. And we do suffer from those mistakes. Because I break rule number one, my rule number one all the time. 
Remember what that is? Don't be dumb. I break that rule all the time. And I suffer because of it, because I don't act wisely. But when we suffer for righteousness' sake, that is, when we place our faith in Christ and we face trial and persecution because of that, he says, that is for his glory. And that, guys, doesn't make sense to the world. And you know what? It's okay. Because we are called to glorify him in those moments. These are the trials that we're going to face right now. But he says, be ready. Get out of there when it's going to happen. Verse 15, let no one who is on the housetop not go down nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. Don't get focused on your possessions in the moment of trial. Don't worry about these things because they're not forever. And, and, and we need to be ready to move, and that's one of the challenges that we're going to find out in verse 14 when we talk about, it says, and, and alas, or woe in other translations, pregnant woman and, and nursing infants, those who are nursing infants. Why? Because you're, you're bound. You can't move as quick as you want to. Some people might give me an amen on that right now. But when we get to that place, I haven't been that place, frankly, but I can tell you I'm slow. You got to move. You got to try. You got. You got to be ready to go. It's going to come suddenly, and we need to be ready. That is the uh, the immediacy of the gospel. Because we don't know when that day is going to come. That day of reckoning. It's either going to come in this life at, at our end, or it's going to come in, in the place of the Lord's return. And what's that going to go look like? Well, in those days, in verse 19, it says there will be tribulation has not been from the beginning of the creation that God had created until now and will never be. It will be worse than you have ever imagined it. I'm glad you came to church today. Happy, joyful time. No. This is a warning that we'll be ready for the hardest of times, the most difficult of times. Why? Because, again, this is a spiritual war we're in. This is not something that we are just going to, you know, when we trust Christ as our Savior, everything is going to be perfect and wonderful. And no, when we have declared Christ as the Lord of our lives, we have declared ourselves to be enemies of the power and the principalities of this air. It's a war. We need to be ready to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ because God wants all people to be saved. But God, in those times, has mercy. He cuts short the days, it says in verse 20. And if he hadn't, no human being would be saved. Think about that. When you know there's an end coming, there's an urgency to it. You need to be ready for it. When you hear that message, you need to know what the response is going to be. For the sake of the elect, the chosen ones, the church, he cuts short the days. So the day is coming when time will cease and eternity will reign. Eternity already reigns, guys. Remember a day to the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is to a day? Mind-rattling, trying to comprehend all of those things. But we need to be looking to the Lord. And when you look to the Lord, you'll know what's real. Be, be prepared 
for what's false. Verse 21, and if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. I see too many believers, too many people who call themselves Christians who are afraid of that moment. You know what that is, guys? It's disobedience. We shouldn't be afraid of that moment. We should recognize that Christ is Lord. And the whole point with all of this is somebody may come and say that they're the Messiah, that they're the Christ. But just because they said it doesn't mean it's true. If anything here, as we get to next week in verses 24 and beyond, we're going to know what's real. We are not going to have any confusion when we get to the place of Christ's return. And until that day, we are called to proclaim His good news. Do not believe it when somebody says that they are that person or that He is over there. Because we will know it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. Their goal, the devil's goal, is to distract us from Jesus. That is what he is here to do. And sadly, what Jesus warns against right here is what we end up doing because of passages like this. We try to figure out and we want to be right about whatever our interpretation of this passage would be. And I tend to fall in the premillennial, pre-trib, but I'm not dispensational, and that makes some people mad, and, and who cares? We need to be ready for that day to come, for him to return. He is coming, and he's cutting those days short. It may seem like a long time to us, but in, in, the, in the realm of eternity, it's all about Him. So He decides to do. We need to trust Him. He has warned us of these things so that we will be ready. Verse 23, be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. Now, here's what will happen as we read passages like this and others is we start looking around us and going, well, is that that, or is this that, or is this that, or is that? Perhaps justifiably so. I mean, he warns us that these things will happen. There's no problem, I think, with wondering if that's this place or that's that place. However, the problem comes when we make that our focus. When he just told us that we are to keep our eyes somewhere else. Colossians 3, chapter 2, and I know that verse is in there because I put it right there. This is one of my favorite spots in all of Scripture, Colossians, just Colossians as a whole. I love Colossians, but chapter 3 has some great things. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. We are to set our eyes on our risen Savior because He is the one who brings us that hope of eternity. I'm going to read all four verses there. I don't have all four verses in here, but, oh, I love this passage. If you have been raised with Christ, verse 1 says, Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So, here's the eternal versus the temporary at right now. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, at this very moment, you in eternity are seated with him. Praise the Lord. And that's where our hearts and our minds need to be set in these moments that are so tumultuous that we have a hard time to figure out what they mean. And yeah, there's a lot of weird, crazy things going on. There's a lot of unrest and there's a lot of division in our culture. If you talk about all of these different crises and struggles in the in the in the uh, in in the in our society right now, whether it's race, whether it's you know whether or not you ought to get a vaccine, whether it's or not you should wear a mask, whether or not it's you have faith in Jesus Christ and you believe that the Bible God has created man and woman just as that. All of these these struggles are real in our world, and because of our faith in Jesus Christ, we are at odds with the world. But He tells us still to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors ourselves. Why? Because God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That we would trust in Him. All of these trials and all of these struggles that we're facing right now, He's calling us to get our eyes up. Don't get bogged down in the mess. It makes me think about you know, like riding my bike or driving my car, I'm always looking just out from where I am. Because, honestly, I don't want to hit a pothole. If I hit a pothole in my car, chances are it might knock my wheels out of alignment. If I hit a pothole in, on my bike, it's going to knock me out of alignment. Right? I'm always watching out for what's ahead, but my eyes are always on the goal of where I'm going. Whether it's meeting a mileage challenge, or it's going to see family, or going on vacation to reach a certain destination. Whatever that place is, that's where my eyes need to be. And in this life, and the challenges we say, face, we need to watch out for the potholes. We need to cast off sin. We need to get those things out of our way, but always with the purpose of bringing glory to God. And guys, there's going to be trials and there's going to be struggles, and I don't know the timing of it all. And whatever your interpretation of that may be, you probably thought that I said something crazy this morning about that kind of thing. But the fact is, is that you and I are still here, and we haven't seen that happen yet. There's no reason for us to get angry at each other about it. Because God wants us united for His cause. What is His cause? Verse 10 of chapter 13. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And verse 13, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Seek Christ. Cast off the things of this world. Set your eyes on Him. Bring glory to His name. Warn those about the impending judgment. Yes, it's coming. With the hope returning of new life in Jesus Christ. He is returning. And that's where we're going to come to next week as we see the conclusion, and hopefully, if I get that far, of chapter 13.
God reigns, and he offers us a seat at the table with him because of Jesus. Will you trust him today? Let's pray. Lord, you are good. You draw us to full obedience and trust in you. I pray that as we, um, we face the challenges of learning your word, that we would trust you and believe Believe what you have done for us. Believe in you. That we might find life in your name. As we place our trust in you, draw us to a place of full obedience. To bring glory to the name of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. We have our time of response and invitation.